1: This January at the Coliseum, we not me versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, this is managing editor Derek C. with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower, and the man to come a regular on our show whenever the Seahawks are playing the Rams, Corbin Smith from Seahawks Maven, but how you doing? I'm good, thanks for having me, as always,
2: appreciate it.
4: Good well, to have you on, buddy.
2: Yeah, Looking well, forward to talking here about this game, because if
3: it's anything like the last one, it should be a doozy. Well, there's a lot on the line this time, I think for I think we're both teams, actually, for different reasons. Um, folks, we are here to break down some of the divisional battle between the Los Angeles Rams and the C- Seattle Seahawks. Uh, if you remember correctly, the Rams won a close one in Seattle, 33-31 early in the year. It's This is big. The, for The Seahawks are trying to save a season, the Rams are trying to not let the Saints catch up to her for home field, and, and maybe not let Seattle get back into the divisional hunt. Before we talk about this matchup, though, we want to remind you we're pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Okay? Don't forget, we're also on iBeatReady.com. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. All right. So, you guys ready? Ready to do this thing? Bring nice. Rock and roll. Uh, Norm, you, Norm got the sheet ready tonight, so I'm going to let him go. Norm, go first question. Go.
4: Well, let's do the stats first from the last game. I think that needs to be done to tell the story for what this game might be. So quickly, Jared Goff went 23 for 32, 321 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, while Russell Wilson went 13 for 21, uh, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. Gurley had 22 carries for 77 yards and three touchdowns. Carson had 19 carries for 116 yards. And our leading receiver was Robert Woods with five receptions for 92, while theirs was Tyler Lockett, three receptions for 98 and a touchdown. I think the key things to look at were the first downs. The Rams had 30. The Seahawks had 20. Rams, Rams ran eight extra plays over the Seahawks. Total yards, Rams 468, Seahawks 373. Uh, let's see. Red zone, Rams went four for six, Seattle went two for two, turnovers, Rams had two, Seattle had nothing, time of possession was within one minute of each other. So with that all being said, the Seahawks tried to ram the ball, pun intended, down the Rams' throats in their last meeting, putting up 190 yards on us. Should we expect to see that again, Corbin?
2: I think that that's the blueprint of this football team. Then they found their identity. Now, unfortunately for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, that identity did not come through this past weekend against the Chargers. They were unable, they had so many plays they left on the field. They really beat themselves for the most part. But as far as running the football, uh, the last five or six games, I mean, even in this last game against the Chargers, they were running the ball well. But the thing I think that is a major storyline here. Chris Carson is dealing with a hip injury. He played only about, I'd say he played about 30% of this game against the Chargers. And as you mentioned, he had 116 yards rushing the first game against the Rams. So if the Seahawks do not have him available and he's not ready to play, that could be an issue. Mike Davis and Rashad Penny are decent running backs, but... Carson's been their bell cow he's been the guy that's gotten the offense going DJ Fluker luckily looks like he's gonna be okay so get to watch him against Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald again that was a heck of a matchup between those guys the first time these teams played but the, the Carson injury is the one to monitor here because if he's not able to play or if he's limited it, it looks like that's gonna be a big hindrance for this offense right now
3: now flipping it around with the Seahawks defensively Goff threw 200 steps against them last game out, but he did throw for 321 yards and a touchdown. Without those two turnovers, was this game as close as it turned out? And do you expect turnovers to be the key in this game as well?
2: Well, that was definitely a, a big deciding factor in it coming down to the wire, as it did. The Frank Clark interception off the deflection in, in the red zone near the goal line was a huge play early in the game. Uh, that obviously, if the Rams would have punched that in, it might change the trajectory of the game right away, and the Seattle's not able to run the ball like they did. They have to abandon it. And as we've seen with them this year, Uh, When Russell Wilson's had to shoulder more of the load, it's been a struggle. The first two games of the year, they had him throwing the ball more than they wanted to. And uh, this last weekend, he was pressing a little bit. He he left some wide open receivers and didn't get the ball to him, which is surprising because he's been playing extremely good football up to this past weekend. But uh, yeah, those turnovers were huge. And Seattle actually had their first game of the year against the Chargers where they did not create a turnover. So. Uh, That was a big key in in losing that football game. They weren't able to create that turnover. But I definitely think on the road here, Seattle's going to have to create at least two or three turnovers to be able to win this game, especially if players like Carson and Bradley McDougald might not be able to play in this game. And he's been awesome on defense for these guys filling in at strong safety for Cam Chancellor. He's really kept that secondary together. If he's not able to play, that's going to be a really big loss against a Rams offense that did whatever it wanted in that football game and yet Seattle had a chance to win
4: well obviously turnovers are one of the must-do's for Seattle what are the other must-do's for the offense and defense
2: i think they've got to get that play action game going really this has been the most concerning thing for me watching the games up to this point is as well you know it's all about establishing the run under Pete Carroll and they've been able to do that but they've been hit and miss as far as using play play action off of it. And that's really created some issues for them because you can't just have Russell Wilson drop back all the time without a play fake. If the running game is really working as it has – The defense is going to be respecting that, and a couple weeks ago against the Lions, they were really using that play action effectively, and they used it uh, frequently during the game. The Lions had no answer for it, and then this Chargers game, it seemed like they kind of got away from that, even though they ran the ball really well, especially early in the game. Uh, Once Carson was out, that hindered things a little bit. But they've really got to get that play-action game and see if they can get some vertical throws over the top because that's one thing the Rams had trouble with in in that last football game. Uh, They allowed David Moore to get past him on one play for a touchdown. Tyler Lockett beat him deep for a touchdown. So those explosive pass plays were there. And the Seahawks believe they can do that again this weekend, uh, feeding off the run. So the, the big thing for me is get that play-action game going. Don't just drop back and throw. Get the run game going and then use play-action off it. Get those explosive uh, connections downfield in the passing game. And, and they give themselves a fighting chance on the road.
3: Now, how is your injuries looking right now?
2: Aside from Carson and McDougal, Fluker didn't play the end of the game because he had a calf issue, but Pete Carroll seemed to think that he's going to be fine. So Carson and McDougal are really the two guys that are going to be monitored closely throughout the week. K.J. Wright just came back from a knee injury a couple weeks ago, and they've been really cautious with him at practice, but he's been looking good in the field, and based on the reports that I've gotten, he's going to be good to go again this week as well. So that's somebody that did not play in that first game. Ed Dixon will also be in this game. He's given Seattle a lift at tight end so uh, they are pretty healthy overall but again that that McDougal injury and the carson injury those are two guys that if they can't play in this game they've been two of the most important players for this football team and, and those would be huge losses for a team that uh, honestly just they don't have the depth that they've had in the past and so if injuries start to become a problem i'm not sure that they can mask that
3: all right so before we move on folks we do want to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsor out there jimahawk Hollywood's team. Rick glamour the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams who lends lens to Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Leagues Hirsch, Tom Theers and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Folks, you can find his book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter, team. It's available both in hardback and in electronic form and, uh, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Also, at various other internet outlets available. So, folks, trust me. You want to read this book. If you are a Rams fan, and maybe even if you're a Seahawks fan, you want a little bit of history, you never know. Check it out. Hall was seen grit and glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. So, you mentioned your injury list. You mentioned concerns about the running back position, so on and so forth. But, what about the Rams secondary on the other side of the game here throwing the ball you mentioned that's their goal they're going to go deep what did you see after watching that Saints game I'm sure you watched it
2: I've only gotten to watch a little bit of that Saints Rams game I've been extremely busy uh, going back and watching a bit and here's the thing this kind of leads into a different segue here but One thing that I'm extremely concerned about for the Seahawks this weekend, they did a decent job, even though Gurley had three touchdowns in that game. They did a decent job bottling him up on the ground as far as yards per carry. I'm really concerned about going into this game. The way they played, the Chargers were able to run the ball down their throat. They were using a lot of two and three tight end sets. They were really physical. They were running a power run game. And obviously, Phillip Rivers had success with some explosive pass plays. But uh, the Seahawks have been so hit and miss stopping the run. Two weeks ago, the Lions came in with one of the best run offenses in football, and Seattle completely shut them down. And then this past weekend, the Chargers averaged over seven yards of carry. They had a couple huge runs on end which actually, if I remember correctly, Robert Woods had a really big run in that first matchup between the Seahawks and Rams on a uh, fly sweep. So the Seahawks have had a lot of trouble stopping the run game at times. It's been very inconsistent. When they've been good, they've been really good. When they've been bad, it's been putrid. So that's something that I'm going to be monitoring as far as the secondary for the Rams. I didn't get to see how they held up against the Saints. Some of the clips I've watched, obviously Breeze had a lot of success. But it just seems like the the Achilles heel for the Rams defense has been that big play that expo- explosive pass play, and even going back to that Seahawks game uh, a few weeks back, as I mentioned, the the deep ball to lock it, David Moore getting behind Marcus Peters, who was staring into the backfield. I've been surprised how much Peters has struggled this year, to be honest.
4: Well, I, I actually broke down the game film from the Seattle game earlier in the year. And by the way, Derek, I had Monday off, so I uh, broke down the film from the Saints game. And believe it or not, th- with the exception of two plays, Peter's played extremely well, and I know that's going to surprise a lot of people because I was pretty hard on him after the game, and so was everybody else. But uh, the last play that he got beat—you know, for seventy yards, which ended up being the go-ahead score—he got caught off guard. They snapped the ball before he was ready. You know, not an excuse, but that's what happened. But overall, if you look at all the the defensive plays he made it wasn't so much that he wasn't covering well as just breeze was just putting the ball on the money and the receivers were making great catches. And in the earlier matchup between us, Peters wasn't really a hundred percent at that time. And, you know, he got burned a couple times pretty bad, but I think right now he's really concerned on how he's being viewed. So I think he's going to step up his game this week. And one thing they haven't been doing is they haven't been taking a safety and putting it on the speedy receivers behind Peters. And I'm kind of surprised they haven't really done that. And I'm hoping that this game will be the exception to that to help slow down Lockett. Uh,
3: This is probably for when Corbin signs off, Wait, you're telling me on the film, you saw that Peters played a great game. You're going to have to explain that one, right?
4: I, I don't care. I will. I mean, I watched over and over and over again with the exception of two plays, he played very well. The Rams secondary actually played well overall if you look at it play-by-play. It's just those few plays they got burned on that that cost him.
3: Okay, so we're going to save that. We're going to want you to go through that here at the end here. Um, Hey. Sounds like me talking about Jermaine Effetti early in the season.
2: (laughs) 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 He's he's been horrible. It's like, well, if you watch the film, he really hasn't been. But anyway.
3: (laughs) So, um, Corbin... Wow, he kind of caught me off guard with that one. I hadn't had chances to get deep, deep in the film. That's this, and that's what Norm does. I only really watched some guy. of the highlights, so from, yeah.
2: From what I saw, it looked like Peter was getting burned again. But again, you, you have to look at the whole game in context, too.
4: Yeah, they showed those two plays I'm talking about. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> they look bad. Yeah. Other than that, Drew Brees was. I mean, he was throwing. You know, a lot, as, as a lot of people say, "piss missiles," putting it right on the money. And there was just nothing that Peters could do, even though he was in, co- you know, doing well in coverage. And there was a couple plays where uh, the receiver just did a great job of hanging onto the ball. But overall, they actually played pretty well. The tackling, on the other hand, wasn't that great. But I, I did, I did comment on uh, my guy from Oregon, uh, Troy Hill, actually tackled very well in the game you know, it's those couple of deep balls that we get burned on. And it seems like we have those every game and we've got to figure out how to stop letting those happen. If the, if the defensive secondary can play, you know, solid and get some safety help over the top, I think we'll be all right. But I just don't think we're keeping a safety back there enough. And that's been part of our problem.
3: Okay. So that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get knee deep into that. Once we're done uh, talking Seahawks here. Uh, Hey, The Rams added Dante Fowler last week. He made some good plays. They've activated their rookie linebacker, Obo Okoronkwo, this week as well. Corbin, do you see this change in the outcome at all and how the Rams match up with the Seattle offense?
2: Fowler's obviously a nice addition for them as far as getting another guy to get after the quarterback. But I think Seattle's probably going to this feeling the same as they did a few weeks ago. The, the Rams D line was already one of the best, if not the best, in football. So uh, the offensive line is going to be looking. in. here's the thing Russell Wilson got sacked four times in this game against the Chargers on Sunday. So there's been plenty of commentary out there. Oh, no, the offensive line's regressing. And if you watch the game, That was absolutely not the case. One of the sacks was because the running back, Mike Davis, just didn't pick up a blitz at all, just completely whiffed on the safety that was on a blitz. And then two of the other ones, Wilson had guys wide open. He just ate the football for whatever reason. And so Wilson really, to me, was the biggest culprit of that. He got himself sacked a few times. The offensive line is still playing really well. I don't think they're going to go into this game. It's only been a few weeks since that last matchup. I don't think they're going to be feeling like, oh, my goodness, they got Dante Fowler now. Well, now we're we're screwed now. We can't block. I don't think they're going to go into it with that mindset. I, I think that they're confident they can come in and block this front. Uh, obviously Aaron Donald is a different animal though and he always seems to give every team but the Seahawks especially have tons of issues with him so he's going to continue to be somebody that that they're going to be putting two blockers on consistently and that's going to open up opportunities for other guys but if Seattle can just replicate what they did a few weeks back they did a fairly decent job keeping Wilson clean if they can do that then they're going to be in this football game. And ironically, I think the Seahawks are going to be happy to be at another stadium. For whatever reason, the last year and a half, they cannot win consistently at CenturyLink Field. It's one of the weirdest developments in football. Their defense is significantly worse at home and the statistics bear that out there run defense is way worse at home. And they've been pretty good on the road this year. They've played most of their games on the road. So uh, that actually might be something they're kind of excited about is going to California because they just haven't played well at home, really haven't.
4: I think Fowler is going to make a big difference. Uh, you know, last time Sue and Donald both got a sack on Wilson. And I'll say that at that time, Donald wasn't at the top of his game yet. With the exception of last week's game against the Saints, he's been on fire, and you know, adding Fowler in, who's kind of a speedy guy, who who can I think can chase Wilson down, especially if he's flushed out of the pocket by Donald, I think is going to make a difference. I would not be surprised to see him get his first sack as a Ram against the Seahawks.
3: Now, in the past, the Rams have had a hard time. I'm not sorry. The Seahawks have had a hard time stopping the Rams pass rush, he actually did a solid job that first game out there. So you, you mentioned in our first time that the offensive line is better. Does well. They don't have
2: Tom Cable coaching them. That, that continues to well, be the biggest difference uh, for this team. I just was seeing on Twitter a little bit earlier that Jari Evans, who I could not understand why the Seahawks cut him a couple years ago in camp, an experienced lineman that was still a really good player, and he tweeted today that uh, the coach just didn't want me. So the indictments continue for Tom Cable, and now that you see what's happening in Oakland with him back there coaching their line, what was one of the best lines in football two two years ago is now one of the worst, uh, you know, that's been the biggest difference maker, getting somebody in there that actually can coach the offensive line.
3: And that's actually where I was going, just the changes there. Again, the weird thing we talked about before, Tom Cable had a really good reputation for his offensive line work. Then he goes to Seattle and everything falls apart. Now you have a new change, and you have a different philosophy and running game, and the offense, the offensive line is much more stable than it has in the past. Not facing all these Rams pass rushers, you seem pretty comfortable with things going on with this offensive line heading this weekend. Is that right?
2: I yeah, you know, based on what I've seen, I, like, like I said, a lot of people were on the offensive line this Sunday, and if you watch the tape, there were a few bad plays, but the offensive line was not the reason that Wilson was under pressure for the most part. He created a lot of that himself by trying to do too much. And it's something that he has issues with occasionally. So as far as the way the line's playing, Mike Solari's done a hell of a job coaching these guys up and drain a looks like a different player. Uh, Dwayne Brown obviously has been a huge addition for them at left tackle. Fluker's been the best addition they made all all offseason personnel-wise, bringing him in and being able to open up holes in the run game. He's been way better than advertised in pass protection. Britt is a solid center. And J.R. Sweezy's been able to resurrect his career at left guard for these guys. So uh, the line is, is definitely a, a much-improved unit, and this is obviously a matchup against the Rams' front line that Seattle's going to have their hands full. Anybody's going to have their hands full against it. But I think if you look at the way they're playing the last month and a half or so compared to the last several years, they're definitely going to be a lot more confident that they can slow these guys down at least enough to move the football like they did at Seattle.
3: Okay. So we're, we're almost done. I, you, thank you so much for taking the time. and know how busy you've been. Um, is this season over for Seattle if they lose this game?
2: I'm not going to say that it's over, but they are on life support if they lose this game because their schedule is extremely difficult. This past game against the Chargers was one that it's one of those swing games. If they win that, they're five and three. They are in a playoff spot, and now they're four and four. And there's all kinds of other teams in that ballpark. That's the thing is that I think a lot of people thought the NFC was going to have four or five teams that were really going to pull away, and aside from the Rams and the Saints. Uh, Some of your other teams, like the Packers, have struggled. The Vikings lost a few games. The Vikings lost the Bills earlier this year. I mean, we've just had some weird games that have gone on. So if Seattle lose this one at 4-5, and look at the rest of their schedule. Yes, they've still got two games against the 49ers. They've got a game against the Cardinals still. They've played well historically in Carolina. But it's going to be extremely difficult for them to get to 9. Ten wins would be really, really difficult for them to do uh, with the schedule that they've got (laughs) remaining. they still got to play the Packers and the Vikings at home. Uh, those are going to be tough games. So, uh, yeah, this is a big game. <laughs> They'd be on life support if they lose this one. Five losses uh, after nine games would not be an ideal situation.
4: Well, and the and the Panthers are sitting at six and two right now, just behind New Orleans. And you know, of course, they faced New Orleans twice in the remainder of the year, but they're they're sitting pretty right now as one of the other teams that are kind of setting themselves apart. So you're right. You're going to be battling it out. If you guys get to win this game, you'll be battling it out with probably the Eagles, I would think.
2: Yep, yeah, there's several teams like the Eagles. The Falcons are starting to try. They're trying to fight back into contention know a lot of teams with four or five losses that are that a couple of them were supposed to be surefire playoff teams. And we know how this league goes. <laughs> there very rarely is a surefire playoff team. I mean, you're Patriots and stuff like that, but. Uh, it, it's just week to week, extremely difficult to tell what's going to happen. So, who knows how this one's going to play out? The Seahawks have played pretty well in LA the last couple years. They've played the Rams better there than they have at home. But uh, I think that this is going to be a it's going to be an absolute dogfight. And I really think Chris Carson, if he can't play, that's a huge loss. I know a lot of people out there say running backs don't matter, but I don't prescribe to that. that That guy gives them an identity. If he can't play, uh, that's going to be a huge loss for them.
3: What about Rashad Penny,
2: though? Why yeah, I love I love Rashad Penny, but here's the here's been the problem. He is not getting enough reps to really get in a rhythm at all, and I don't think people realize that with running backs. Uh, I used to coach running backs at the high school level, and I would always tell people, if you only give a guy a handful of carries, it's extremely difficult to get into a rhythm as far as vision and reading your blocks and things of that nature. So he's he's been playing so sporadically. He's had two of the past four games. He hasn't had a single carry. So a lot of people out there are calling him a bust already and saying, you know, why would we pick him in the first round? I like, the Seahawks aren't doing him any favors right now. And part of it's been Chris Carson's played so well. But at some point, they're going to have to take take him off the sideline and let him get some reps. He's going to have to play. The guy has a lot of talent, and I believe he will come uh, through for this team at some point. It's just It's been a rough start to his career, that's for sure.
3: All right, we are at the end here. We want to thank you, Corbin, for coming on. Before we do the final predictions, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL, and you can also visit the website SeahawkMaven.io. We got all our film breakdowns and articles and news stories on there, and and uh, we're quickly growing. So I'm pretty happy with how a couple months in that the uh, site is functioning. So,
3: so folks, if you want to get the the opposing point of view, check out Corbin Corbin. You're our guest today. Uh, How's this going to go? Give us your final prediction.
2: Well, I would like to say that the Seahawks are going to win this football game. I think they're going to be hard-pressed. I think it's going to be close because the seahawks have improved they've been a much better team than advertised and they have played pretty well in la but i just there's enough injury concerns if McDougal and carson can't play it's going to be extremely difficult so uh, i think that this is going to be a game where the rams get over 30 and the seahawks just aren't able to get to that uh, point offensively so uh, i'm going to go with 34 to 24 i think the rams win by 10 i think it'll be close and then late the rams will get a touchdown to go up by 10 and so I you know, as I mentioned earlier, four and five puts Seattle in a pretty uh a pretty tough situation if they wanted to make the playoffs this year, but I think this is gonna be a tough, tough game for them to win.
1: Norm?
4: Well, I think the Rams are this is gonna be a telltale game for them. I mean, they just had their first loss after being on a big high, you know, going eight and and then and then losing to a tough New Orleans team who They got behind early on, but then made a valiant comeback and tried to seal it off at the end, but couldn't get it quite done. I think this week they're going to come out and make a statement and say, look, you know, we made some mistakes, but they're done. And my score is not really that far off from Corbin's. I I was going Rams 39 and Seattle 24.
3: KS for me, I've been struggling with this game. I think this game is going to be close all the way through. I, I don't... Like some of the matchups that Seattle brings with the running game right now, and I also don't like the fact that the Rams' secondary really kind of circles on those big plays, and that's what Russell Wilson does—he makes those big plays. So, I'm but tell me if I'm wrong, Norm. The Rams are gonna be ticked this game; they have to be ticked coming off that game, yeah. The way they lost. So, I mean, that that was in the back of my head I'm gonna go thirty-one twenty-four Rams. And uh, and what should be a fun game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So
2: we'll see if the Seahawks score 24 points. Since all three I, of us think that,
3: I, I, <laughs> I think they will. I think they it, will. I think it's going it, to be.
2: My thing is, if if Seattle hold. Here's my viewpoint. If they can hold the Rams somehow under 30 points, I think they have a good shot. I just, I'm not overly confident that they can do that. <laughs> it's just where I, my viewpoint is. And you talked about the Rams being upset and ticked off. There's two ways they could go here. They could have a hangover from getting beat for the first time, which happens frequently for teams that go undefeated deep into the season. Or it could be one of those, uh, we're not losing two in a row, and they come out and just smack Seattle. So I could easily see that happening too. It's going to be a really interesting matchup.
4: Well, and I'm hoping they're not looking towards next week because they face KC next week Mexico City so I'm really hoping they're doing the whole one game at a time thing and looking for a little revenge against Seattle and wanting to come out you know and 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 show that they're a good team like we all think they are that way they're ready to go to KC but you're right they could have a hangover I just don't see it happening I think the Rams have only scored under 30 points once this season is that right Derek uh yeah yeah and that was a that was a Green Bay game
3: no no twice sorry Denver too
4: Oh, Denver, too. That's right. So,
3: you say revenge? Revenge for what?
4: Well, revenge for their loss last week, not against Seattle.
3: Okay. All right. So, all right, Corbin, we want to thank you so much again for coming on. You're always insightful insightful for us. Folks, again, Corbin Smith, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.
4: Thanks for coming on, buddy.
3: What What a... He's always, just always a great guest to have. I can't help but have praise for what he does. He has some great film coverage and so on and so forth. Uh, But folks, the rest of this podcast is all about Norm. Okay? This is all about Norm. Uh, He did the film study. He is the film study guru. Before we do, we also want to go ahead and and give a shout-out to the Golden Ram Barbershop. So here we go. Golden Ram by Norm.
4: Now it's time to give a shout-out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894 Rams or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RamsTalk so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal.
3: All right, folks, so one more thing, and I, I totally forgot this, Norm. There are all kinds of rumors about Bruce Irvin, the Seahawks, and we forgot to ask Corbin about that. Gosh, so folks, pay attention to that out there. He may be back up in Seattle for all we know. There's all kinds of rumors about that. So ew, that would be a tough guy to face. So you ready? <clears throat> sure. I'm coming at you with this because, you know, folks, We, my good Lord Almighty, we saw it. We have seen it hardcore. Marcus Peters has been getting hammered on social media. Now, you broke down the film. You spent you went over every play and you're saying he played pretty well. Please explain, break this down for us.
4: Well, I might say I went over every play several times and really tried to find where he was at fault. And there were two plays that he was really at fault. And that was the one where he wasn't paying attention and got torched for 70 yards and a touchdown. And I don't I I don't have my notes in front of me, so I don't remember what the other play was. But overall, I mean, if you look at each pass play that he defended, he was there. He was right there trying to make a play, was right on the guy. And, you know, uh, Breeze just made great throws. I mean, if you really seriously look at it unbiasedly, I mean, I was pissed at Peters, too. I made all kinds of comments about him, like the whole, you know, UFC thing with uh, Richard Simmons and all that stuff. But, you know, those two plays, that was a valid comment. But if you go back and look at every single play, he was there. He was he was right on his guy. He, he was hustling during the play. It was after the play, and it was the plays that he wasn't directly involved in that kind of upset me. You know, he wasn't hustling off his man. But Honest Man, he actually, I mean, if you really break it down, he covered him pretty well. It's just Breeze was on fire. And there were Breeze made a lot of tough throws in that game to every receiver. They were all contested pretty well. So I challenge you to go look and, and see what I'm saying because, I mean, I, I tried to find him at fault a lot, and I really couldn't. It was just a couple plays.
3: Now, the, the, no, let's be fair. Those couple plays were big.
4: Sure. Well, the one play, the the worst one, was the 70-yard touchdown. And, you know, when they showed it on replay, and, of course, when I watched it, he was yelling coverages at somebody and was, you know, standing on the line, turned kind of halfway sideways. And, you know, to their credit, they saw it, snapped the ball, and, you know, he just ran a flyer out and was gone. And, you know, that was a great play on their part. And, obviously, he got caught off guard, which – you know, I don't think he'll let it happen again now that it happened this time. But uh, yeah, it was costly, and those two plays did hurt us. And we all know that, you know, he's gonna. This is a guy that's gonna take risks, and there he's gonna have some big plays on him. But in this case, it was just him trying to yell out of coverage or something, and got caught off guard. But overall, if you look at, you know, we got to end those couple of mistakes. If we can do that with him, you know, he'll be right there. And I, I would argue that if it wasn't Breeze or or Brady or or uh Aaron Rodgers throwing the throwing that football, you you wouldn't had the same result. I think he would have done a much better job in coverage. It's just Breeze was putting it on the money. I mean, I was impressed by Drew Breeze more than anything when I was watching that because every single pass he threw there it was only put to where his receiver could catch it. And Peters was right there to defend it but couldn't stop it.
3: Okay, now before we move to the second part of it, which is tackling, do you remember last year when we talked about the we talked with um, Drummond from who covered for Saints Wire before yeah. our, our preview last year? And one thing he said was he felt that well, he felt that Drew Brees had lost a little bit of zip off his ball; that was more of an interceptable ball. I'm watching watching this game. I I need to be complimentary of Drew Brees because. That's not what we saw out there on Sunday. I saw a 25-year-old Drew Brees out there throwing. You know, he's 39. But that he was playing like a 25-year-old. And that's one I, It's one area that I can't really contest you on. And I need to go back and watch that film. But his, his throws, man. His throws, by gosh. What a professional. What a yeah, professional. Yeah, I mean,
4: he, he's making a real solid case for MVP for himself. And I know all of us want Todd Gurley to win it. And, you know, there's... Plenty of arguments to be made that he should, but I'm I'm telling you with the records and with how well he's with how well Breeze is playing and how accurate he was and how he you know how he did everything in that game against the Rams. If they end up finishing out the year like they're playing now, I have no doubt that he's probably going to get player you know uh, MVP.
3: Okay, so another thing you saw on on tape was the tackling. What, what did you see there?
4: The whole team tackled like crap. (laughs) There's no other simple way. I mean, not only was the defensive backs, but there were several missed tackles, one-arm reaching out tackles on defensive line, on linebackers, poor technique, poor positioning, uh, poor poor pursuit angles. I mean, there was just a ton of stuff that went on tackling. But I'll stand by what I said about uh, Troy Hill there were several plays where Troy Hill read where the run was going and got there ahead of it from the other side of the field and made a solid single man tackle, you know, solo tackle. So, you know, he's actually tackling really well in the secondary joiners when he can get in front of it does well. But when he has to tackle from behind, he's so small, he gets carried around a little bit, but, uh, overall the whole team tackled bad. And I think, you know, this is one of those deals where you just got to hammer technique during practice and and get them back back to form because they're going to need it this week if they're going to stop Seattle's rushing game, especially if Carson can play.
3: And let's also remember, Seattle does have their weapons. I mean, that is, this is not a passing game that's devoid of, of receivers. They have gotten better out in the passing game as well. They're just they're just more of a running team now, and I'm not so sure that even with Carson out, that the Rams, you know. They're three deep. The Seahawks are three deep at running back. And, you know, Corbin knows his team better than we do, obviously. But I think that's still a danger even if Carson misses the game. So I am concerned. I'm concerned about tackling. I really am. I'm concerned about the tackling I saw was folks over-pursuing, taking bad angles, uh, arm tackles, high, not going low, not going across the body. The things that you're taught. And... That can't happen against those teams that are more or more physical. That can't happen against teams that are fast either. They have to tackle. They just have to. And is it really coverage that's the weakness right now for this team? Or is it tackling?
4: Well, and I'm curious to see what the difference is going to be with Fowler and maybe Okoronkwo. I'm hoping he gets to play. I'd like to see him on the field and, and just you know see what he can do because between him and, and Fowler – they're both fast, you know. For being for being outside linebackers, they're extremely fast. And you know, usually when Russell Wilson beats us, it's when he avoids the inside rush and goes, you know, gets outside. That's usually when he gets those long pass plays to to all his different weapons he's got with Moore and and uh, uh, Lockett. So if we've got some faster guys that can contain out there a little bit better, I mean. Long anchor's been doing okay, but he's not the speediest guy and he's certainly not going to catch russell wilson where I, I would argue that Fowler can and if obo's a hundred percent and looking good you know you know and you, you can you can throw our, our boy from uh, eastern Washington out there
3: Samson.
4: with uh with ebacam he's got some speed and he's been showing it more he's been the game's slowing down for him a little bit with eBacam so You know, with those three speedy guys out there, if the inside rush can get Wilson to to have to roll out and do his, you know, wizardly stuff, (laughs) I I think he might be in a little more trouble, and I think that may help our coverage a little bit. So that's what I'm banking on.
3: All right, folks. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, You know, it's tough. When we watch this game, especially for far we're watching you on TV – what you what I saw out there was Marcus Pierce being out there. Now when you have time to sit down and break down film, it's you know, it's I think it's I don't know. We've been challenged. Norm is issued the challenge, folks. Let's go back and break down this film and see and see exactly what we're looking at here. I can say one this one thing about that we know definitely is he they weren't tackling. Marcus Pierce wasn't tackling and you know, he wasn't running the football in those cases, but coverage? I mean, well, here we go. Let's go look at it.
4: Six hours I spent looking at the Rams secondary, and overall their coverage was pretty good, but their tackling sucked.
3: Now, one thing you mentioned earlier, and this is before we finally, you know, get ready to sign off here, and it, it's, it's getting late, and and we're well, we're old and tired. So, anyways, <laughs> you you mentioned earlier in the year safeties and some communication issues back there. You 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 said you saw that a couple times. Are you still seeing that in your film study?
4: It's not as blatant, but yeah, there's still some issues going on. This defense still hasn't gelled 100% yet. And, you know, it's apparent. You know, we're giving up way too many yards and way too many points. And I'm hoping that they're going to start settling in and getting to form. You know, and I can't wait for Akib Talib to come back. If he can come back and be the Akib Talib we know, Peters will play better just knowing he's got some help. Our safeties will play better knowing that they're going to have coverage better. Our line will have more time to rush. I mean, it's going to make a lot of things different. So, you know, they've just got to weather this storm in the next couple weeks with Seattle and KC. And if they can do that and Tlaib can come back and be 100% with Oboe now back, you know, and able to start playing for us to see how he's going to look and Fowler, you know, with Aaron Donald playing the way he is and all that. Mark Barron's back to 100% now. You know, I I really think this is the time for the defense to start gelling, and it's the perfect time for them to start gelling. You know, most of us, you know, I, I kind of predicted some of that. I don't want to keep patting myself on the back because I I'm scared to do it because I, I don't want karma to come bite me in the ass. But,
1: mm-hmm.
4: you know, I predicted that they were only going to lose one game in the regular season, and now i um, this is that really important time they've got to they've got to win this game against seattle if they win this game against seattle the division's sewn up they don't have to worry about that anymore and then they can move on to kc and you know focus on that i think i manage to pull off a win in kc then i think we're we're good to go the rest of the season but this game against seattle is pivotal not only for the division but you know, for the number one seed and playoff positioning and many different things and getting their confidence back after losing last week. So this is, this is the one to watch right here.
3: All right, folks. So that's it. We, we, we laid it all out for you. We, we, all three of us thought that the Rams are going to win this game. Um, there's, there are some concerns we're aware of that. We, the, the challenge has been laid by Norm to go out there and well, watch the film. So let's do that. Folks, we do need some advertisements and sponsors, so reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. We have three solid podcasts that are putting on great numbers. And also, by by chance, if you haven't seen our customer survey, please go take the survey. It really helps us out. We take our customer service seriously. We want to know what you think of us and, and the job we do. So, you, I'll put it out there on Twitter again tomorrow morning. Please go take take the survey. Any final thoughts, Storm?
4: No, I think it's all been said. Just this is the this is right now, this is the game that we gotta win. Out of all of them so far, this is the one that we gotta win.
3: You gotta, you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna head down that path where you're starting to, you know, come back to the pack, you wanna stay ahead. So yeah, I agree. Folks don't follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. For whatever reason, the ag- algorithms on Facebook are horrid, so if you also want to join our group Ramps Talk room, please do. Th- th- for whatever reason, things go better in there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Norm on Twitter at Norm Hightower. Yes, he even does post once in a while on there. Okay, maybe <laughs> once a year. Don't forget on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, AHA Radio, all those places. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. Just a few more days till game time.
4: Adios.